Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Elfson with the Digital Education Podcast. Happy 2023, I suppose, as we're moving our way into it, and it seems to quickly fly by. Um, I'm with my buddy from Organized Binder, Mitch Weathers. Mitch, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. <laughs> I love it, Mitch. And Mitch is in Ventura, California today, so we, we just kind of keep making our rounds all over the place. And really... One of the things that I've learned and discovered in this is this podcast is the opportunity to make new friends and to meet people who are doing really interesting thing, things in our profession, in our work, and who love um, at the heart of what they do, whatever it is, love students. And so today I'm with a friend of Mitch's that is becoming a friend of mine. And, and this podcast is a great opportunity for that. Her name is Namita Prasad. And she is a confidence educator, and she's um, written a book called The Power of Why Not. And we're going to get into some of the, the questions there. But Namita, thank you for joining us. But jump in really quick and, and just start us out, because confidence educator, what is that? How do you explain that to people? Because you have to be asked constantly, what's a confidence right. educator? Uh, thank you, Eric, for having me on your podcast. And hello again, Mitch. I'm so glad to be here and happy 2023 to everyone. Um, you're right. Um, I do get asked this question because this is a term that I coined for myself. Um, I believe that um, confidence is a mindset, a mindset that can be taught systematically to anyone, be it a child or an adult, and it should become part of our education just like we teach how a child how to write his alphabets, his or her alphabets, and then learn how to read and write. And how to become confident can also be taught similarly. So that's how um, I put together a program, and this is called Confidence Education, and how someone can develop a mindset called a confident mindset. And Namita, from, from when we met and initially, it's not just... Um you're not just talking about an idea or a theory and you have a whole program or I should say programs that you've developed around this idea, which we'll get there um, for sure. But I would love for you as just kind of an intro, you tell, I think a very compelling story in your book, one of many, but um, about the piano lessons with your neighbor. And it kind of culminates with, is that piano music lessons? At the beginning, voice lessons. Voice lessons is what it was, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. I, of course, I left your book at home and I'm on the road. Um, but I love that story, and it kind of culminates with a conversation between your parents. But specifically, you highlight uh, your dad's response. Would you tell uh, start at the beginning and tell that story, and how Absolutely. that kind of led to, in some ways, this confidence work. Mitch, thank you for asking. Um, you know, these stories are very close to my heart. Um, you know, I grew up um, in India and my dad was in the Indian Army and he, uh, we were a military household. And if anybody that's listening has um, family or friends that are from the military, they'll understand. Um, you know, we 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 led a life where um, we traveled a lot and, you know, traveled every couple of years. My, my dad had a very different approach. Like whenever there was something, whether I was learning piano or music, he um, he never told me um, to be confident. 
right? He would just tell me, just go there, try it out. You'll become confident. Whereas everyone else would tell me, just go to piano class and music lessons and be confident. And my little brain, little Namita's brain would go, but how? How am I supposed to be confident? I've never sang. I've never even touched a piano. How am I supposed to be confident? And when my dad would say, Pops, as I called him, um, you don't have to be confident. He would like tell me, you don't have to be confident. I'd be like, oh, okay. That's pressure off. Just show up, practice, and you'll become confident. And that's how he differentiated in my mind the difference between being told to be confident versus become confident. As a child, that made me say, hmm, why not? I'll take music lessons. We'll see how it goes. So I took that opportunity. Mm. I'm not a singer. Didn't make it much, much far, as my raspy voice will tell you today. But I did take the opportunity of taking those lessons. So in, in what I love about that when I read it is it, it he almost... Um, the way I was thinking of it is scaffolded or um, kind of unpacked how to um, become confident. Cause you're right. And, and I'd love for you to address this too. Um, you had mentioned, and I think it's just a brief mention that, you know, in the classroom, when a teacher says, just be confident, it can actually um, maybe detrimental is too strong a word, but be working in the opposite direction for a young person um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, Mitch. Thank you for asking me that question. I think, you know, educators are well-meaning. Like we want to empower children. Like we want to help them. We want the best for them. But sometimes we don't know, right? We haven't been told that saying be confident is actually putting this sort of cloud over the child's head saying the performance has to be now, right? Rather than saying, you know what? I know multiplication is new to you. You don't have to be confident, but how about we just do some repeated addition and over a period of time, you'll memorize it. Like, you know this. And the child says, oh, okay. So I think educators are well-meaning. It just, that's why I call this confidence education because all of us need to be informed about this different way of communicating to a child how they can become better and confident at something. So, Namita, I've got a question. I'm going to jump in here real quick because I, I think it's really interesting that, you know, you start talking about confidence. Some of it overlaps in my own mind with what's seemingly very popular in education right now with growth mindset. And I'm sure you've you've talked a lot about that. But I, I, before we even go in that direction, I'm really interested in the title of your book, Um because as an educator, it, it is a question that I used to get all the time, and I love it. And I, as a principal, I gave my students permission to ask, why are we doing this, right? Why do I need to do this? What's the purpose point? However you want to look at it. But the title of your book is Why Not, right? And you even talk about the why not approach. Can you give us a little bit of like, the 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 shift on that like you know a student raising her hand saying why to you saying well why not and then give us a little bit of how you take an approach to that that then in that why not approach it kind of drives a person a student towards greater levels of confidence that's a great question and there are multiple questions in there but i'll kind of like 
unpack them one by one. So before I get to the why not approach, I'm just going to kind of scale back and share with you a part of my journey of how I became a conference educator and lead into the why not movement, as I call it, right? So as I told you, you know, the way I was raised is still this mindset of confidence. And um, as an educator, I began to see that we were teaching children math and English, but not how to become confident, right? So I started asking other educators, parents, coaches, other well-meaning adults, what does confidence mean to you, right? And Eric and Mitch, much to my surprise, everybody had a different definition of what confidence meant. And I was like, wow, you know, if a child is going home to a different definition and in school it's different and the soccer field it's different, how is this little child, I'm going to call her Anna, it's always been my my kid, little Anna, um, how's little Anna going to learn how to become confident, right? So this is what the first thing we did was redefine what confidence is, right? So when a child is told confidence is a feeling, right? It's a feeling, but confidence is a feeling that is the outcome of actions of practice. So I didn't have to be confident when I had to take the music lessons. I would become confident instead of saying to my dad, why, why do I have to take these classes? One more class for me to take, why? I would say, Okay, why not? So understanding what confidence is bridges the gap from a child saying why to why not, or an adult for that matter. Hmm. Um, so, so, I like so, that. So, so jump into that why not a little bit more, right? Like yes. how do we help? And Mitch, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go next, but I want to finish this really quick because yeah. it's how how do we as as you think about it and and change that language and change that perspective and turn that wheel? How do we how do we because it because my guess is in some of your thoughts and wonderings is that confidence builds like you know what as you as you practice that as you create the habits as you learn right then you know it kind of builds and you learn that for the next thing and the next thing and then that you take those lessons with you um, into new places. But tell us like. How do you help parents or teachers or, you know, these people ask different questions that why not question or, or have different conversations like that, that lead to a different kind of perspective and different habits along the way? Great question. So, um, so we talked about how understanding what confidence is, so redefining, right? The first step is to redefine what confidence. So there's a cohesive understanding universally, whether it's an ad educator, an extracurricular activity instructor or parent. The next step is to understand that confidence is not something that life teaches you. It can be taught. It's teachable, right? It can be taught systematically. There's a six-step framework that teaches confidence. The moment a child or an adult sees, oh, I can learn how to become confident because sometimes, you know, there are misnomers. Some people feel, some people are just born confident. Some people feel life teaches you confidence. Some people feel I'm never going to be confident, right? The moment it's understood that confidence can be learned, it's a muscle that can be, you know, expand, like you can become confident. My, my one-liner I'm going to share is no one is born confident, but anyone can become confident, right? Mm -hmm. 
So when that understanding happens, a child says, hmm, why not try different things? I can learn. If I follow these six steps, I can learn anything. That approach changes. Children nowadays are also going through a lot. Post-COVID, there's been so many changes, right? They've, they've been homeschooled. They've gone to school. They've come back from school. Now they're back again. There's a lot of mental anxiety. There's a lot of stuff going on in children's mind. For them to understand that no matter where their starting point is, this approach of why not can be embraced, that they can be empowered, changes their way of living, changes their approach. To me, a mindset is an approach to life. The why not approach is a way of living life in school and outside school. I love one-liners, by the way, Namita. So thanks for sharing that. And um, so when I met you, I think one of the things that caught my eye as I walked by, and, and if anybody knows me, um, you'll, you'll understand this, but um, I love binders, right? And I walk by this table and it's the only other booth <laughs> at this conference uh, in Indiana that there's a lot of binders. And I, you know, we struck up a conversation um, and I, I like, you know, one of my one-liners to say, you know, um, sure, my this whole thing's called organized binder. But if I'm holding one, I can say, this isn't a binder. This is a this is a program to to empower or equip students with executive functioning skills, right? Just to kind of start the conversation. Um, what you're saying, which I, I'm so glad you brought the six steps up, because I'm curious, I'm, I'm putting myself into the school leader role or whatever. And I'm like, wow, you know, um, who, who, what parent or educator doesn't want students to develop confidence, right? I mean, you're, I, I get that, like, but what does it look like for me um, from the school side or whatever setting that might be and say, hey, I want to, I want to bring this to our school. Is it something that's brought to our school? I know you have multiple kind of programs or curriculums. Um, when I was chatting with you um, at the conference. So I'm just curious for those out there listening, what would it, what would it look like outside of course, just contacting you, but um, tell us, unpack that a little bit for us. Absolutely Mitch, happy to. So I'll talk about first the framework of the six steps, and then I'll talk about how it can be implemented. Uh, right. So the framework of the six steps under, there are three C's as I call them. And Mitch, organized binder comes under the third C. That's why I love what you do. So <laughs> the first is courage. The second is character. And the third is commitment. Now, in my line of work, oftentimes people confuse courage and confidence, right? They think if somebody's courageous, they're confident. Courage is the first step to becoming confident. Courage is when you get off your chair or your sofa or whatever and say, I'm going to give this a shot. So that's two steps. The first two steps. The first is believing in yourself. And again, I feel even at these times more than ever, we need, we encourage children in our program to really dig deep into themselves and find those strengths that they have. What are they good at? And find those common themes within those strengths to really identify with themselves and say, this is what my strength is. The second is Face your fears. I'll repeat, face your fears. We do not talk about overcoming fears. I have fears as an adult and I'm a conference educator that I can't overcome, but I've learned 
how to face them by finding coping mechanisms. So we ask children to identify their fears and then find coping mechanisms. Again, take the pressure off. You don't have to overcome it. We're going to teach you how to face it. It could be the dark. It could be test taking. It could be for me, I'm fearful of cats. So it depends on what it is, but I've learned how to cope with it, right? The second C is character, right? So, so you can have all the courage in the world, but if you don't embody positive character traits, courage is directionless, right? So we em embrace having those good character values, which is being good to yourself. Step three, being good to others. I'll, this is all very in-depth. I'm giving you sort of the framework. Now we have a student that has courage and, and has developed, understands the value of being having good character traits. But without commitment, without being organized, without doing what needs to get done, those actions of practice, you cannot become confident. And I think that's something I really focus in the book and I, in my talks when I speak at events is commitment counts twice. Courage and character are very important, but commitment counts twice. You know, sometimes when we tell our kids, you can be anything, yes, you can, if you do the actions of practice, right? It's very important for us to tell our students anything is possible if you continue and do the actions of practice. So step five is regular practice, and step, step six is better practice. And I want to spend a moment on this. If a child is practicing something, let, let's call it, let's say soccer, right? They keep practicing the same corner kick again and again. They'll get a little better, but they may need a rock or a champion to help them become better. We encourage forming circles of confidence for each child. This is not a list of emergency contacts. This is not a list of people they'll call when they need it. They create a circle of confidence before they need it. They really think about identify, um, you know, adults and, and peers that can be of help to them and ask them like, look, if I need your help, can I call you? Can you help me with this? The moment you ask for help, you're empowering not only yourself, but the other person as well, right? It's, it's both ways. And when a little kid, like when Anna needs help for that corner cake and she goes to Jake and Jake helps her, Jake's going to be like, Anna, can you help me with math? And this is how we change the culture and the climate in a school of being supportive. So these are the six steps. There is the framework. Your second question is, how do, how do we do it in schools? So this is grade-wise from pre-K through eighth grade. We are pre-K through eighth grade. It's grade-wise. You know, when you talk about a mindset, Mitch, it's really not just an assembly. It's not an extracurricular activity. It's not a workshop. It is embedded in what the mm -hmm. child does every single day. Our program is thrice a week, 15 minutes. It's very easy to implement. A teacher can go through it, but it really opens up the classroom for discussion, for feedback. We have a self-reflection journal that kids can work through. We have hands-on activities books that support. These discussions need to happen before the discussion for multiplication and writing happens. Because when a mm -hmm. child has a why not approach, they're going to say why not in math class and in English class and out in the sports field, right? So that's why it becomes 
part of what the school does. That's how the mindset happens. It's a shift in thinking, the shift in talking. When you walk down a corridor and you have a wall of confidence, where Mitch has posted he's really good at organization, and Eric has posted he's really good at you know asking questions, and Namita's posted. If you have a if you have a sore throat, come to me. I'll tell you how to talk with that. Then it creates a community where people can ask each other and people can put pick up a little sticky and go, hey, can you help me? That's what our kids need to be able to create these circles of confidence for themselves. That's what brings the why not approach. You kind of both of your questions kind of mesh in one ear. So Namita, last question. And I know we'll touch, we'll, we'll, we'll connect people with your website and connect them with you and your blog and some of the other stuff that you have out, but then highly encourage people, you know, kind of check out the book too. But I have a question because, because you mentioned some things even about yourself as an adult and you, and right now I would say even educators don't feel a sense of confidence in their work. Um, I can I can even say that professionally in a lot of ways as we kind of step, you know, you mentioned COVID, you mentioned some of these other things, and there was a humility even to some of the stories that you share that you've personalized some things a little bit. What what would be your encouragement as we close out our time together today? What would be your encouragement to the adults as they regain a sense of confidence? even in themselves and even in the work that they're doing for and with these kids. Eric, um, I'll share this with you as I share with parents and educators is, you know, do not feel that your personal confidence at this moment is necessary for you to offer this mindset to children. It's a step a step process. But when you yourself redefine what confidence means and understand it's a process and you're helping these young students caveat it might affect your personal confidence and boost that too take the pressure off relax it's a journey this might be your journey with your students as well and you might look back and say you know what i set how to help my students and i help myself as well i love it i love it you know, and even just the, you know, connection with some of the work that I do, um, you talk about the circle of confidence. I love that. And we found this with adults because I work with school leaders is we have them create their square squad, okay. like, you know, their square squad of like, who are the people that, you know, are in your squad that are in this with you? And that makes such a huge difference um, when it comes to, you know, what the the things that you're working about. Namita, this is incredible. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for giving us insights into your work. Thank you for just the the energy that you bring despite losing your voice. You know, and and thank you for I I think in a lot of ways being an encouragement to help us not only think about what we do different but to be different um and to grow into this. And thank you for sharing today. Thank you, Eric, for your time. Thank you, Mitch, for connecting me with Eric. That's and I great. really appreciate you both. And this is such an honor to be here on your podcast today.